1: Okay, can we just thank the uh, worship team one more time for singing, adjusting to all the things happening this morning? You guys did a great job after the kids. Thought it was good. They didn't show you up too much. Uh, but as we sang that song, I don't know how you feel when you, if you've heard that song or you've sung it before. But I always almost struggle. With that song at, Christmas song at Christmas or heading towards Christmas, singing about joy, especially in moments where I don't feel it or I, I, you know, I've had a rough week or whatever it is. And I think the reminder for us as we sing this is that we're called to actually sing it even when we don't feel it, that the joy that God gives us is actually much deeper than that. It's deeper than maybe the joy that we get or the, that we kind of, uh, the misconceptions maybe we have of joy from our world, that it's only, we only can have joy when we're, everything's going well or when there's lots of excitement, or there's kind of a, a spirit of Christmas happening. But the joy that God calls us to is much, much deeper than that. It's a kind of joy that recognizes that Jesus comes to us even when we least expect it, or even when we're having a rough week, or even when our circumstances don't feel joyful. And so we just want to really commit to growing in that kind of joy together. And so I just invite you, uh, before we kind of open, open up the scriptures and learn together, just pray with me. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are the God who brings us joy, not just over the Christmas season or the season leading up to Christmas, but that you want us to experience joy uh, all year round, even in times where things are really difficult, when we have trouble seeing how you're at work. Uh, God, help us to trust that you are coming to us in new and fresh ways and that we want to do a new work in us whether it's just to bring freedom or peace in the mix of anxiety and just to help us really live as those who experience your joy and who really know how to share that with others. And so, God, we just ask that you would help us to receive that from you, to be open to how you're wanting to teach us about your joy and how you're coming to us in this season. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, hey, good morning. It's so good to be with you this morning. If we haven't met, my name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors, one of the leaders here. And uh, this is obviously a special morning, as you saw. Our kids uh, came up on stage and just shared a little bit of of the Christmas story with us. Didn't they do such a great job? They did such a great job. And as the the team said, it's hard to follow up when kids uh, do such a great job with that. I didn't realize they knew so much. They did such a great job sharing about the Christmas story as well, didn't they? I I think they actually know that story better than myself or Pastor Dom, so we'll just have them up each week. For instance, I didn't know that monkeys were part of the stable. It's amazing. I knew about the caca, but I didn't know about the monkeys. So I'm learning too, but they did a great, great job. But this morning, uh, if you bear with me, I'm going to try to just open the scriptures and and teach this morning as well. Uh, But we're continuing in our Advent series that we just started last week called Come Let Us Adore Him. And if you've never heard of Advent before, maybe that word is new to you, the word Advent just really simply means arrival. And so the season of Advent leading up to Christmas is a time where we prepare for the coming of Jesus in a special way, and we recognize that Jesus is still coming to us. So instead of rushing ahead straight to Christmas, this is a season to really consider how Jesus is still coming to us today and that he's doing something new. And so we take seriously as well how our worship is of God is connected to really waiting and preparing for him in a special way. And when you think of maybe this idea of preparing for something, one of the ways that we all prepare for something that's especially if it's something that's important to us is that we make room for it in our lives, right? Preparing is always connected to making room. Isn't that right? Preparing for something new especially always involves making room and whether that means that we have to move some things around or we get rid of some things, or that we kind of maybe stretch or expand something to make room for the new thing. And it's fair to say that we all know how to make room for the things that matter to us most. As you think about just this idea of making room, what are the things that you make room for in your life? What comes to mind? Maybe it's something big that you've made room for in the past. Maybe there's kind of something, particularly in this season, that you're having to give room for. Maybe you give room for a fun just hobby or activity Or maybe it's a new relationship, or a new job, or maybe this Christmas it's even something, a gift that you've asked for, or people you're inviting in. Whatever comes to mind, we all make room for the things that matter to us. But not only that, I think it's easier for all of us to make room for the things that we already know we want, or we've asked for, or we've planned for. But it's much harder for each of us to make room for the things in our lives that don't come how we expect it, or come when we don't expect it, or when they come even almost as an interruption or a disruption to our lives. We don't make room for things easily that come and interrupt our lives in some way. And as I was preparing for this morning, I thought about how special it would be that the kids would be up and sharing on the stage with us this morning, and I thought about how our kids actually have so much to teach us about certain things that maybe we've lost or we've forgot about or we don't do well as adults. And Jesus in the Bible actually talks about how the children model for us a childlike faith, that we can actually become more like children. Not to say that we become childish or immature, but that there's something about children and the things that they can teach us that actually help us as adults to grow in our faith. And one of the things I think our children kind of do more naturally is that they're so much better at being flexible and adaptable and making room for things in their lives, especially when those things come really unexpectedly or come almost as an interruption. One example that comes to mind for me is how my children uh, often respond when we, f- we throw last-minute plans at them. My wife and Jasmine and I, we have three daughters, and uh, they're just really good at adapting. It always surprises me. And one of the ways that I was reminded of this recently is um, as we're heading towards Christmas, we, ha- we had some visitors over, it was a little unexpected, it was a little rushed, but they were coming to stay with us and we didn't know exactly what that would look like. But we only told our kids about uh, some of the details like a day before. One of the things that we asked them just the day before the people were coming was that two of them, the youngest two, were going to have to give up their rooms. And so it meant, you know, moving their stuff, some of them like, leaving stuff behind in the room, kind of figuring out being together in the same room. And what surprised me was just how much they just kind of went with it. Like it was no big deal. They just kind of just went along with it and quickly adjusted. And part of what surprises me is I think about how bad I am at adjusting to things on the fly. I think about how like even just that idea of inviting people over to my home, I want to know like six months or eight months in advance. I want to know all the details, like how long are they staying for? Where are they staying? What am I going to have to do? I want to know all those things. And so any interruption, like I'll blame my wife if there's anything that's last minute. Because for sure it's her fault. I'm kidding. But uh, not only do I, I don't want any inter- in inter- interruptions, but I want it to all happen on my terms. Like, I would never, for instance, give up my bed in my own home. That's crazy, right? That's crazy. How am I supposed to sleep at night? Like, I'm, I'm older now. That's a big deal to give up my bed. But I think we all kind of relate to this, that we all kind of, as adults, have lost something about learning to be, um, just learning to adapt to, to changes like this and to even learning to kind of sacrifice when things don't happen on our own term. Somehow we've lost an ability or a willingness that kids have to adapt or to be a flexible, especially when it involves sacrifice or inconvenience in order to make room for something unexpected. And at Advent, one of the most important ways we prepare, particularly for Jesus, is by learning to make room for the new and even surprising ways that he's coming to us in this season. Some ways that he can even feel like an interruption at times. And again, this isn't something that we do naturally or we do automatically. Not only because we have other priorities or other plans that get in the way, but also because so often Jesus actually comes to us in a way that again can feel like an interruption to our hopes or our plans. And so we need to just learn to make room in a way that trusts God in those kinds of moments. This week, as we continue in the Advent story, we're actually introduced to a young woman who has, at this moment, her whole life ahead of her. And suddenly, she's faced with a kind of interruption that's going to require her to make room in such a profound way for the new thing that God is doing. And that person is Mary. And so this morning, we're going to uh, spend some time looking at Mary's story. And here's how the Gospel of Luke introduces us to her. Here's what it says. It says, in the sixth month of Mary Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be, as I would too, I think. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Wow, lots going on here. Some of it may be a little more confusing than others, but talk about such an interruption all of a sudden to somebody's life. And if you were here last week, uh, this passage kind of messes Elizabeth a little bit, but Pastor Don began this series by looking at the story of Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah, this older couple who also received surprising news that they're going to have a baby. And if you missed that, you can go and watch that on our YouTube channel. But this week, we're introduced to Mary as she also finds out that she is going to somehow miraculously have a baby and that she's going to name him Jesus. And right from the beginning of this story, as you read it here, Luke, the writer, actually tells us a few things about Mary that are good to pay attention to. The first is that she's from a town called Nazareth, which at the time was kind of an insignificant town. Nobody important was from there. And so it's a way of saying almost like Mary was kind of a nobody. It's almost like people who come from Ontario. (laughs) We're allowed to say that bad joke. We use that twice in a row. Listen, I lived in Ontario and the people are okay. But, uh, but it's true. It's true. So I have to put that in there. No, I'm kidding. But uh, it's kind of a nobody. We don't know much about her. Luke also tells us that Mary is a virgin and that she's pledged to be man, uh, married to a man named Joseph. Now, culturally, what this means at the time is that Mary is around 14 years old, give or take a couple years, which would have been normal in her time and in her culture as an age where she's, she's ready to get married. And she's also pledged to be married, which means kind of for us, it's like, it's like being engaged. But at the same time, or along with that, her family and Joseph's family have arranged for them to be married. And in the meantime, at this moment, she's still living at home with her parents. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she's visited by this angel who gives her this news that now she's going to have this baby, even before being with Joseph. Now, can you imagine just being in Mary's shoes at that moment? Like imagine being Mary's age, still living at home with all these hopes and dreams and plans and maybe expectations for how your future is going to look. And all of a sudden this messenger comes, which is what an angel is, a messenger, and shares this thing that's instantly going to turn your whole world upside down. I think because of our familiarity with this story, because of how quickly it's shared, it's easy for us to look back and to assume that maybe it would have been easy for Mary to just receive all of this as good news. But we can miss just how much in her life is suddenly going to change. Not only that is there change and dis- interruption, but she now has so much as, at stake as she thinks about how she's going to have to share this news not only with Joseph but with her family and with her community. Think about it: she's engaged to Joseph. And as she's still living at home and waiting for her wedding day, now she has to tell him and tell her parents that she's already having a baby while convincing him that she's still a virgin. Like, who's going to believe that? That's crazy. And there's this real risk for Mary that she could even be accused of adultery and be rejected by Joseph and her parents and shamed by the whole community or even worse. As you think about this, how do you think you would react to this news if you were in Mary's shoes. And as you think about this story, I think as we think about this story, uh, while this would never happen to us, what happens to Mary, how do you, just, just think about it, how maybe do you tend to react in moments of big disruption? Especially in moments where they could inconvenience you, or where there's a lot at stake, or where you've already maybe prepared or been waiting for something different. How do you re- react when a big interruption comes? Do you tend to receive this as good news? Or are you afraid, or maybe angry, or upset, or disappointed? I know often when I think of moments in my life when I've been planning or waiting for something and something totally unexpected had to happen, I tend to just be angry. Like I feel stuck and all my plans have been derailed and now it's going to happen. Like everything's falling apart. How do you feel in those moments? I think for all of us, it's maybe easier, again, to welcome any kind of change when it's something that we've planned or expect, but it's much harder when it comes as a disruption to our lives. And in our spiritual life, it's easier even to say yes to something, and even easier to trust God when it meets our expectations or when it happens on our terms. But if it doesn't, it becomes easy to miss how God is at work, and not only that, but I think it becomes easy to even mistake what God is doing in those moments for the work of the devil, or to, to call it like a spiritual attack, especially when it comes with sacrifice or real risk or inconvenience. And I want to just mention, for those of us who are parents and who maybe are grandparents who are here and watch the kids this morning, I think this is actually one of the hardest things about parenting that nobody tells you when you become a parent, Nobody tells you that while you have these dreams and these plans and these prayers for your kids, a lot of that is going to change, or a lot of it's not going to work out how you think it will, and and as your kids grow and surprises come. And one of the things I think we're most, or one of the most important things I think we're called to as parents is to be obedient to what God is doing in our lives, instead of, or over and above, what we want to do in our kids' lives, or what we want for them. As they grow older, our primary responsibility as parents isn't to teach our kids to obey us, it's to teach them to obey God. They honor us, they obey God. And when we do that, they will learn to trust in God's goodness and in the special ways He wants to work in our lives. And I think one of the best ways we can teach this to our kids is for us as parents or just family members or even just as a community to teach this to the next generation in general, is to model for them a kind of obedience where we're learning to die to our own plans and to our own agendas in order to make room for God's plans and His purposes and the ways that He wants to enter or break into our lives. And I think whether you're a parent or not, one of the most important ways we're called to trust God, again, is to surrender those plans and agendas in order to make room for Him to really work in ways that are beyond us or beyond what we can see even in the moment. And so when interruptions or changes do come, that we will grow in a way that you learn to see them as an invitation to trust God, to trust that he's doing something bigger than what you can see in the moment. And in this moment, when the angel Gabriel comes to her, Mary is really given this incredible responsibility to walk in obedience and to trust him as she carries and nurtures and raises God's own son. And she will have to trust that walking in obedience is connected to God's faithfulness. That she's able to walk in obedience and trust God because God is already faithful. And as she's faithful to this calling, God will be faithful in doing something in and through her and around her and in and through her son, which will be bigger than what she can imagine. But even as Mary kind of considers this responsibility and hears these words, she still has questions, as I think many of us would in her shoes or still do today about this passage. She's still trying to make a sense of maybe what this angel is telling her, how this is going to happen, and her role in all of this. And so she asked the angel a question. Here's what she says. She says, How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Well, there you go. That just clears things up, right? It's easy. We could just go home now. I can't help but like think of like teenage Mary just hearing this and going like, okay, thanks, Gabriel. It's all good now. That's all clear. Thanks so much. Thanks for answering all my questions. I'll just go home. That's great. Like Mary is probably more confused than ever now. And even for us, there's so much even packed into this short passage that we have so many questions about or that we struggle to understand. And now I want to mention that part about Jesus and the name for him. We're going to talk a little bit more about Jesus in general in the coming weeks. But this week, I want to just focus on the Holy Spirit. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit that much at Advent or Christmas time, but I want to talk about the Holy Spirit and his unique role that he plays in the Christmas story as he begins to work in a special way in Mary's life. As the angel tells Mary that somehow... The Holy Spirit will be at work in a special way in order to create this new life in her. And it's easy for us to me to miss this when we read this, but for Luke's kind of audience, the people that he's writing to, the people of Israel, they would have recognized that some of the language or this idea that's used of the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary would remind them of what happens right at the beginning of the Bible. The language would actually remind them of the beginning of Genesis. And right at the beginning of creation, how God's Spirit hovered over the darkness to create new life out of nothing. And now, after all this season of just their prayers and waiting for God to do something again, he promises to be at work again in a new and special way by his Holy Spirit, creating this new life that's literally beginning to grow inside of Mary. And as this happens, again, Mary is going to have to be obedient and open to what God is doing through the Holy Spirit. As this baby will grow inside Mary, she'll not only kind of have, to have literally make room physically for what the Holy Spirit is growing, but she'll also need to make room mentally and emotionally and spiritually. She'll have to be open to the bigger work that the Holy Spirit is doing in this process. And she knows that she's going to experience in the coming weeks change and sickness and fatigue, and all kinds of surprises and ups and downs, and she will need to walk in obedience through this in order to kind of nurture and feed and give room for what God is doing. And the story of of Mary and her pregnancy gives us, I think, such, as we think about this, such an important image for the Advent season. It's an image of how the Holy Spirit really works in each of our lives. And it's a surprising image, but it's the image of a womb. The womb of, of a... Of a mother. Now, I realize that this image of a womb is a, as a picture kind of our own spiritual lives can seem pretty weird, especially if you're a man. I don't have a womb. I don't know if you do uh, or if you've ever really thought about this before. But while Mary kind of is about to experiencing something uh, I, with the Holy Spirit working in a way and moving inside of her that's really utterly just kind of unique to her and to this special calling she's given... At the same time, this image of this womb gives us a picture of how the Holy Spirit works in each of us in order to do something new in and through us. None of us are called to be married, but we're all called to be open to the Spirit in the same kind of way. And part of why the Bible actually often uses this picture of a womb in different places is because it's a helpful image for for our own spiritual lives because when God the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, He doesn't just want to work around you or outside of you. He wants to work in and through you as well. Let me just say that again. The image of the womb gives us a picture of a God who doesn't just want to be at work outside of you or around you, but he wants to work in a special way in and through you as well. And this isn't really an easy thing for any of us to be open to. It can be scary or come with a lot of risk. And so often in my life, I know I'm tempted in many seasons to kind of give room, or even celebrate what God is doing around me, in my family or work or wherever else, while ignoring what He wants to do in me. It's easy to, to kind of be around uh, my family or, or work, or again, celebrate those things while ignoring the, thing, the ways that He wants to give me to give room for Him to kind of come in and work in and through me, whether that's kind of surrendering something to him uh, or whatever it is, whether he wants to teach me something new. As you think about what it means to prepare for God to come to you this Advent season, how is he asking you to make room for him? To make room for him in a way that's kind of holistic, to make room for him in your heart. What do you need to maybe surrender or sacrifice, or even give time for, or just be open to, to give room for him to stretch you and to help you grow in a new way, maybe to experience his love or his forgiveness in a new way in this season. As I think about this, one of the things that I'm really proud of, of being part of this church, is the many ways I've actually seen all of you embrace what's actually a really important value to the 180, which is making room, making room for God And making room for others. And I think about this fall season, how together we've embraced uh, moving to two gatherings in order to just give more room for new families and for the ways that God's drawing different people here. I think about how even this morning we gave room to our kids to hear from them and to trust that God's gonna speak to us and teach us something through them. Or I think about how so many of you gave room in your schedules or just even being open to how God was going to work in a new way, just connecting in something that was happening midweek for a Bible study or home groups. And just how many of you were even thinking about what that means as we head into a new season and the new year. But as we learn to, 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 to do this together, to really hold this value of making room for others, we don't want to forget that in order to continue to do this, to be those who are really ready to respond to God, to work In different ways, we need to be obedient not only to what God is doing around us, but to be obedient to how God wants to continue to work in and through each one of us. Our world really needs people who are ready to respond to how God is at work as we learn to make room in our hearts to extend his love and his goodness to others. Whether that involves getting some things out of the way, moving things around, surrendering to him in a new way, or inviting something new in God is always at work in new ways, but it's up to us to respond in obedience by being open to the Holy Spirit. So just as we begin kind of to get close to wrapping up this morning, as Mary receives this news from the angel Gabriel of all that he's going to do, God's going to do in her life, knowing that her, her life is not going to be the same, she finally gives a response. And it's a, such a beautiful response. Here's what it says. She says this, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. What a just incredible, simple response of obedience. And Mary actually will eventually become famous not only for just being the mother of Jesus, which is a big deal, but also because she models someone for us who can be trusted with this new thing that God is doing because of her obedience to God's goodness. And not only that, but her response even will, will actually foreshadow what God's own Son will eventually do, what Jesus will do in walking in obedience to God the Father when one day he goes to sacrifice himself on the cross for all of us. And before he does that, he will say similar words that, that Mary said. And I love that in this story that we just read, Luke doesn't hide Mary's fear or her questions as she's this young woman with this whole life, her whole life in front of her who's faced with this huge disruption or interruption to her life. And yet we see that she still chooses to walk in obedience out of this deep trust that because she trusts God is doing something new, because she trusts that God is faithful, that he will continue to be faithful to her in, doing, in growing this new thing. She accepts his will for her life, and she chooses to walk in obedience in a way that she makes room in her heart for the work of the Holy Spirit even though it's not what she imagined or planned for herself, even though, again, there will be ups and downs and moments where she'll be sick or tired or even discouraged. As you think about this and as we head towards Christmas, I know that there will be things in your life that will come not as you planned. There will be disruptions and interruptions and things that will kind of cause maybe more chaos or more busyness, whether that's from visits with family or friends, or plans you had with your family or kids, or just expectations for a time off or a time away or whatever it is. But the story of Mary invites us, as we think about those moments that will come, to see interruption and to see change as an invitation to pay attention to what God is doing and the invitation to make room for Him, to do something new and to teach us something new. I'm going to just now actually invite the the band to come up. They're going to close in a song. But as they come up and as we sing this song I want you to just as we think about this to consider a couple things. How is God really inviting you to be open to how he work, wants to work not just around you but in you in this season? To be open to maybe new things that he wants to teach you or, to be, or something new that he wants to grow in you in this season. Maybe as you think about that that's just a deeper patience or a deeper love for those who are close to you or those that you've maybe struggled to get along with a deeper sense of his forgiveness and how that works out in your life. Or to experience his peace even in the midst of anxiety. Or to grow sort of a deeper humility. Or maybe it's to even just grow in a deeper desire to see his purposes work out and to trust even when you can't see them in that moment. We're going to end with this song uh, about God's faithfulness. And as we think about this theme of obedience and how Mary models that for us, one of the things to remember about why we're called to obedience is that we're not, we don't obey God so that he'll love us or so that he'll work in our lives. We obey God because he's already faithful. And so our, part of our obedience is just learning to make room for what he already wants to do, the way that he already is trying to enter our lives and do something new in us and call us to trust and to recognize his goodness in a new way. And so would you just think about that, consider that as part of your worship as we kind of close with this song. So I just want to invite you to stand as we sing this together. as Mary kind of helps Jesus grow old and when he's older, many will see him as a disruption or an interruption to their plans and their expectations and their agendas. And many will actually miss the new thing that God is wanting to do in and through Jesus. And so at Christmas and the Advent season, as we head to Christmas, we want to be those people who don't miss the new thing that God's doing to see how God's faithfulness from the very beginning was now connected to how he was doing a new thing in and through Jesus, and by the Holy Spirit that he's still doing that for us today. And so we want to be shaped as those kinds of people who trust in God's faithfulness, even through ups and downs or interruptions or changes to our lives. So with that, let's pray together. God, we thank you that you are a God who is always faithful that you've always been faithful, even from the time before us, that you were faithful to each of us before we even recognized it, and that you were even present and wanting to do something new in our lives today, coming to us in new and fresh ways. And so help us, even when it's hard, to have just the courage to make room for you in our lives, whatever that requires in this season, whether it's surrendering certain things to you, just being stretched in a new way, whatever it is, help us to just be open to what you want to do. And would you just remind us or teach us maybe for some for the first time as we learn to just take the step of being open to you of how you want to just help us to experience a special joy and peace and goodness even in the chaos of this season. And so would you just continue to work on that in us as only you can and would you go before us as you always do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being with us this morning, guys. A couple of things before you go. One, if you want to stay, we'd have a prayer team in our prayer space. We'd love to just take some time to pray with you. Uh, save the date. Mark your calendar for just a couple things coming up. It's hard to believe we're just a couple weeks away. Christmas Eve, we have our regular two gatherings on Sunday. Christmas Eve, 9 and 11. And New Year's Eve, we'll just have one gathering. At 11 a.m., you'll find uh, all that info on our website as well. So hope you can join us then, and uh, we'll see you next week. Have a great week, everyone.